You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, all right, so Todd Frazier here, hopefully uh, in a second. And then Sterling, I know you came across an article uh, about, I guess, a, kind of a continuation of what we talked about uh, last week and yeah. on, on how to make an abbreviated season work. So I guess we'll uh, we'll, we'll get to that. John mm-hmm. Daniels was on the station uh, earlier this week, actually yesterday, on with Sean and RJ. So we'll we'll review some of what he said. But uh, another week, and the Sim Rangers Sterling are three and zero, off to a big start. That's great. I mean, I, I think that was the one thing that we were really looking forward to for the real Rangers team, hoping that they can get off to a quick start, uh, build a lead. I mean. Seattle was the first uh, was the first series. It's a very winnable series. So the fact that they're able to get out there, get the sweep. I, I think Corey Kluber actually was the opening day pitcher too. So you know, I, I feel great about it. And if if the show tells me anything, uh, one, it tells me that I have what it takes to make it to the show, and then two, it tells me that the Rangers are going to be in great shape. One of those things might be might be more true than the other. Uh, most likely, the Ranger thing, not me being in in the show. We'll we'll see. I. Uh you know, I, I I hope some of these projections are accurate. It'd be great. Now, uh, they did say, or you, you just mentioned Corey Kluber. Uh, I think it went Corey Kluber, Lance Lynn, Mike Miner. Now, Chris oh. Woodward earlier this week said that the Rangers were about one day away from announcing their opening day starter. They're not going to do it right now with everything going on. They know who it's going to be as long as everything kind of uh, holds serve. Who would you tab as the opening day starter? I would go ahead and I'd probably roll with Mike Miner as my opening day starter. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Corey Kluber has. I think as the season develops, he will most likely, if health and everything works out, I think he's going to be the best pitcher on this team. But at least go ahead with the guy that you you saw how he worked last year. You know that he's got got, got the ability to go out there and give you a solid outing for at least the opening day. Roll back Corey Kluber's start to the second game and then just kind of go from there and you can figure it out as the season goes along. But now that it's a shortened season, maybe go ahead and run out Corey Kluber just so you can make sure you're getting your, who should be your ace, the amount of starts that he should get as the season goes. You know, I wonder, I know someone posited that, uh, you know, a shortened season takes away the advantage of, uh, of the rotation. I guess that's something to discuss when we have a better idea as to, uh, who is and 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 who's not a part of things, roster sizes, length of the season, stuff like that. The one thing that, you know, probably won't maybe have as much of an impact, let's say the season's 80 games, not 162, mm-hmm. is the great depth that the Rangers have. The Rangers have, you know, for the first time in several years, really good starting depth mm-hmm. uh, beyond just one through five. And, uh, you know, it, it, it might end up playing a big role within a month. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, you never know how it's going to shake out. But I, I wonder if, if that maybe, 
I don't think it becomes a disadvantage. I just wonder if that advantage is one they don't need to utilize as much. Yeah, and, and it might be one of those things where you do still get to see the advantage in another way. I mean, uh, we'll get into the cuts here in a little bit, but J.D. was even talking about the possibility of adding roster spots if it is a shortened uh, spring training so to help these guys out, maybe be, by having those extra spots, getting those extra arms in your bullpen or just having them on the roster, you might be able to see some of these guys grow quicker than you were expecting them to and still be able to see how they can go out and perform in the major leagues as opposed to, you know, triple A, double A, wherever they at. Uh, all right. 877-881-1053. The number to call 877-881-1053. The number to text. Uh, we'll take your calls and texts uh, again. Should speak with Todd Frazier here in a second. Uh, all right. I, I don't want to dive into to something that's going to be like a full-blown conversation mm-hmm. just because of, you know, I don't want to have to interrupt it with, with Todd joining us. But we did get some good news. Willie Calhoun uh, has been cleared to progress on the workout front. Uh, he's also downloading MLB The Show, so right. uh, maybe you'll be able to test your luck uh, against Willie. Okay. Uh, but uh, that's good news, and, and not that this is a, uh, not that this is a trade, that anyone would want to make, but the delay of the season, which just it is what it is, is is helping a guy like Willie get healthy. Yeah, now he's going to be able to be there when opening day rolls around. Whenever it is, it seems like he should be ready and re- able to go. I mean, especially having a guy like him, we've seen the way that he's progressed not only as in the batter's box but also as a fielder. I think having him in the lineup and your outfield from the jump that's going to help out a lot. It's going to also take pressure off of trying to figure out we're, we're still doing the whole outfield shuffle thing going on, figuring out who exactly is going to be your center fielder. Now, instead, I have to worry about, you know, two outfield positions. Now you still only have to worry about one. And even with that one, you, you hope that you have a little bit better of an answer. So I'm excited. It's good for him. It's just amazing to me that after what looks so like so bad and such a, a ferocious hit to the face with the baseball He's coming out of here with just, you know, a fractured jaw. There were nothing as far as the concussion, no lingering symptoms. Really, it just seems like the only thing that would possibly hold him back would be him himself getting back into the batter's box, maybe being a little bit gun shy. But I I don't think that's going to happen. He even said himself he doesn't even really remember the actual uh, ball hitting him. So maybe that might be a good thing. He doesn't have that extra sense of, oh, I don't know what's going to become in my direction. Plus, he's, he's, he's a professional, man. He's, he knows what the game is about. He knows what he needs to do to succeed. And I think that this extra time off, him being able to come back fully healthy, I don't think we should see any kind of drop off from Willie, especially after him making so much progress in the spring and in the offseason. All right, uh, we're going to hear more from John Daniels later on, but uh, he did just uh, for a little bit of levity share with Sean and RJ what he's doing during this quarantine. I had not watched the uh, the, the streaming um, uh, games right now. Thad actually, Thad Levine texted me yesterday. He was like, I'm not sure why he put himself through it, but he watched Game Six of the 2011 World Series. He texted me. He's like, he's like, hey, we're up four three in the sixth inning. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, uh, ignore, ignore you for the rest of the time. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. Pretend that we won. I watched, uh, binged a typical. Um, brought my wife Robin wants to watch that the Lion King thing, so we may watch the, or the Tiger King thing. Tiger King, John. Lion Tiger King. Sorry, Lion sorry. King. It's not so Simba. <laughs> yeah, so we'll probably watch that. And then I actually watched. Um, there's like a, a, a mini series deal on on uh, 
and like Bank Heist in Spain. I watched two of the three. I got to watch the third one, but I can't remember the name of that thing. See, I think he's doing what a lot of us are doing as far as like the binge watching. I know me, we were talking about in the crosstalk going over the going over Tiger King and all of that stuff. And I mean, there I've been diving a lot deeper into Netflix and figuring out what's there to watch. And I mean, obviously the video games for me, man. We we talk, we already talked about the show, 2K. Like there's just so many things to do, but I just I don't think I would put myself through that pain of watching probably one of the worst moments in franchise history. I don't think that would be me. But, hey, you, you learn from the past or else you're doomed to repeat it, right? I don't want to think about it. I don't want to watch it. I, I Even when the Cardinals came here last year, it was like a horrible weekend just reminding me uh, of everything that went down. But, all right, moving on to better things. Okay. Joining us right now from the East Coast, hopefully he's staying safe, uh, is new Ranger third baseman Todd Frazier. And, and Todd... I saw on social media we had a turkey problem, and now you're having an ant problem? What's going on with all the animals? <laughs> hey, man, these animals are, are revolting against me. I don't know what's going down right now, but now we – I guess we left some scraps on the floor. We and we woke up the next day, and they're all over the corner of the, the kitchen. So we uh, we got we to fix, though. We're good, man. It, it seems like there's always something. Uh, Todd, I, I, I got to ask you because last night I burnt the top of my mouth eating a pizza and I think towards the end of spring training as we knew it, uh, you were getting into a debate as to whether it's a pizza or a pie. Is that, am, am I, yeah. am I remembering that correctly? Oh, hundred percent, man. The, with the clubhouse, the clubhouse crew, I got to shout them out. Those are my boys, man. The clubhouse guys with the Rangers doing tireless work, but yeah, they, you know, it, it's about where you're from, you know, and I, I tell them, I say, when I order, when I order pizza, you know, if I call Al's Pizza, Luigi's, Positano's, whatever it is down here in Jersey, I, I say, hey, can I get a pie? And they know exactly that means one plain cheese pizza. And they're like, what do you mean? Are you talking about apple, pumpkin, or, you know, that that's not. So where you guys are from and where I'm from, it's a different story. And, you know, you got you just got to roll with it, you know. So your perfect pizza is just plain cheese? No, no, I, I mean, I, I'm a big pizza fan, thin crust, of course, but uh, I, I had actually had pizza last night. That's funny that you said that. I, I go to this place called Positano's, and they have uh, great cheesesteak pizza. Like you, like, you can put anything on the pie up here. I mean, I go to Al's Pizza, I get chicken parm on my pizza. It just, it's, it's, it just, I don't know what it is. Even though you can get it on a sandwich, it's just the crust is just so much better. So aside from the the animal control problems that you have been having, what what else have you been doing during this time of social distancing and even up there on the, on the East Coast, a little bit more of a heavy lockdown? How have you been spending that time and what are your, your favorite activities during this time? Yeah, man, uh, when it's warm out, we had a great day yesterday. It was sunny. It was uh, about 65 here. And uh, I, got a, I got a little playground in the back. I play with my kids and play hide and go seek. Uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff to the backyard. I got a pretty big backyard. I'm, build, I'm building on it. We're trying to finish up our pool back here and a couple other things. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of construction going on. But, you know, we took a ro- walk around the block. Uh, we saw a couple neighbors. Of course, we stayed about like 30 feet away. <laughs> and, um, you know, we haven't really done much, to be honest with you. My kids are keeping up with their homework from the teachers. And uh, <clears throat> that's a pain in the butt. I'll be honest with you. I <laughs> I remember doing long division. I don't remember doing long division when I was in elementary school. And that, you got to show your work. So this, this stuff's kicking my butt right now. My brain fried over long division. And my son's like, come on, Dad. You should know that. You know, we're, 
we're going back and forth. But other than that, we're just having fun playing some board games. Um, you know, just, just understanding the severity of this, and uh, uh, that's about it. What was your What was your like favorite subject when you were in school? <laughs> it, it was it was math too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I loved everything to do with numbers, but uh, once I got to geometry, I said, "All right, that's it. I, I'm good." It got once it got harder, and uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think school systems should be doing stuff like you know that deals with numbers. You know, like instead of doing some subjects that you know shouldn't be in there, yeah, it's a whole nother topic. I think they should honestly be doing like. Uh, how to write a checkbook, uh, you know, stock market stuff, like all different go. stuff they're going to they're gonna need in in the long run. And, and start them in high school, man, because that's how they'll learn to get smarter, and next thing you know, they'll know how to run their money or uh, whatever they want to do. So there's a lot of other subjects that, you know, we can go down the path during the season we can talk about. Todd, I, we're going to have to have a longer conversation on this, but after going through buying a house, I'm amazed that, like, they don't, even even if it's for a week in high school, hey, one day you might buy a house, and these are the things that you need, and these are the things yeah. that you've got to consider, and then once you buy the house, these are the things. Like it's amazing. Yeah. Oh man, you, you can you can have a subject on, you know, picking the right plumber, uh, what to look for trying to get scammed, like that kind of that kind of Jersey stuff that I I, I need to know because it's happened. I, I I've I've been an example too many times. I'm lucky to have my wife and. Uh, my father-in-law, who really knows, my father-in-law is a know-it-all when it comes to, like, outside work in the yard or inside in the house. My wife knows all about rebarb and what types of soil. My wife was in landscape architecture with her father. They just know the ins and outs. Oh, man, this guy's trying to screw you, Todd. I'll get a, I'll get, I'll get a thousand off the price. Just let me do it. You know, that kind of stuff. So I, I learned from my father-in-law when it comes to bargaining and making sure you're getting the right price on things. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree 100%, man. All right, so Todd, I, I got to ask you. I, just on social media, you've you've really it seemed like made made an effort to uh, recognize local businesses, restaurants, and just do your part to to try and support. And, and the other day, you recorded a, a message uh, for little leaguers, and, and I obviously know that little league uh, has played such a big part of, of your experiences. But what what compelled you to do that, and and why? Uh, you know, why was beyond just the success you had, why was Little League so instrumental for you as you were growing up? Yeah, I, I mean, long story short, my brother went to Williamsport in 95. They uh, ended up coming third in the United States. They, they put up a really good show, and they played against some tough teams. And when I was nine years old, I told myself, I said, listen, to the guys on the team, I said, you know, this is where, this is Mecca right here. We need to be here. And, um, you know, it was yeah, it's near and dear to my heart. We ended up winning the whole thing. It kind of took the country uh, and the world by storm. And um, it's something I'll never forget. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. You know, if, if we ever get to sit down, you know, besides talking about school subjects, but we could talk about Little League Baseball, you know, in Tom Jura alone in my hometown and how how just different it is from others because there's so many kids that are playing that, you know, if we just kept the town together with one group, they'd probably win New Jersey every year so it's all it's like it's crazy to think that's all we do down here is little league and that's kids love to play baseball and i i like to give my part by at least saying something or helping out the little league and doing the best i can because um you know i was raised here and i uh i did my job here too as well so i would love to have a major leaguer you know come out and watch a game or uh when i was that age or help out here and there 
So Todd, we know you know you're from Tom's River. You went to Rutgers. You played with Cincinnati, the Mets, the Yankees. All of these have been more up north. Now you're coming down here to Texas. What are you looking forward to the most about playing here down south? Even though you will be in a dome, are you looking forward to being in a, in a different region of the country for most of your home games? Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it a lot, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've never really stayed in Texas before, just coming there to play. Um, you know, while I, I played Houston a lot more than I played Texas, you know, just coming up with the Cincinnati Reds. So, um, you know, I've been a part of some, you know, losing games against the, the Astros, so I'm not really fond of the Astros because they kicked my butt. But uh, neither, hey, that, neither are we, Todd. Don't worry. Perfect. <laughs> well, we know, we know why now, so we're, we're good. Um, uh, other than that, you know, I am. I'm looking forward to the fan experience. You know, I, they, they talk about Southern hospitality, and I'm looking forward to that. And um, people have been asking me to uh, to uh, buy some cowboy boots, uh, but I, I don't. That's the only thing I think I probably will steer steer away from, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, that's just part of me that I don't know if I can ever do it. But people say they're real comfortable, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm up for the whole experience, you know, that kind of stuff, and um, we'll see what happens. I've never I've never been cow tipping before, so people say we might want to try that. So I don't know if that's a Texas thing or something, but, you know, if I got to go to a farm late at night after an 0-for-5 and 4 strikeout game, they tip a cow to get back on the streak, we're going to be all right. Hey, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Todd, I, I want to go back to your time in Cincinnati. I'm sure – you know, you, you made your debut with them. They drafted you. I'm sure that you look back on that time fondly. Uh, you also kind of got to be the, the host of an all-star game, uh, and you won the home run derby in front of your home crowd. You know, I know that, that that's an exhibition event, but uh, you had, you, you've been a, a regular participant in that. To be able to win it and win it in front of your home crowd, what was that experience like? Oh, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Uh it was on the other day, which was pretty cool. I, I, it was on at 12 at night, but, you know, I stayed up until 2 to watch it. Uh, it's funny, you still get nervous watching it, like, come on, hit the darn ball out of the park. You know? <laughs> Even though I know I'm eventually going to do it and win, win the whole thing, but it was, it was a great experience, uh, especially when at your home park. I don't think, you know, if people know me, I, I wasn't going to let anybody beat me that day. Uh, you know, I, I tell everybody, everybody talks about the home run derby, how it ruined your swing, and I was – I was exhausted afterwards. That second half was tough. You know, I, I figured out, you know, how to maintain that a little bit. But, you know, it was one of the most memorable baseball moments in my career. Uh, whenever I go to my basement, my trophy's right there. So I get to relive it every time I walk down there. And, and I'm sure it was more special because if, if I'm not mistaken, one of your brothers was pitching to you. And uh, I, I think you're the youngest of three, right? And, and both your brothers, yeah. you, you referenced one of them earlier, but both of them played professional baseball uh, what was it like growing up in the Frazier house just from, like, a sports and competitive standpoint? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I thank them every time I do a speech in front of people because they, uh, they basically made me the person I am today because I was the youngest of the three. Um, my middle brother, Jeff, and my older brother, Charlie, were really dominant at sports when they were coming up, and so was I. But I, I, I tell young kids today, I said, just watch – Watch how these, these kids that are either your age or older than you, why, why are they so good, those so-called athletes that are making the all-star teams and all that? I said, I said, use your eyes and ask some questions even if you want to because what I did, I'd watch every move they made, whether it was good or bad, and I'd ask them, I'd ask them that. Not even that night, my dad would say, hey, listen, 
you know, give them, a, give them a night if they lost. But if they didn't, then I'd ask them if they won. But, you know, I'd ask them, you know, why why'd you do this? Why'd you make this move? Why'd you do this play? And then it just was stuck. It was like a test for me. And every time that situation came up in the middle of the game, I, I basically knew what to do. And so that kind of helped me. And, um, you know, look, talking about childhood, there was probably four or five holes in the walls that we had. You know, we used to get after it. You know, I remember one time my dad bought us a ping pong table or, or Santa Claus bought us a ping pong table for uh, Christmas. And I ended up beating my brother after like 10 or 15 tries. And he elbowed the corner of the ping pong table and half of it was gone. So uh, we had to play like that for the rest <laughs> of the time. But what are, what are, what are you going to do? We had, we had some good competition. That's life being the youngest of three, right? Exactly. If, if, I, if I lost to them, it was like the end of the world. But for me, I was like, <laughs> all right, I got to get them. I got to get them. <laughs> all right. So of you and your three brothers, where would you say that you rank as far as behavior-wise? Like who's the most likely to get in trouble? Would it be you, one of your other brothers, or, or, or who would that no, be? That, that's really simple. My, my middle brother, Jeff, he, he was the troublemaker growing up. I mean, it wasn't bad, but he, was, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't the, the tip-top shape when it came to The troublemaker was definitely Jeff. And were you on the other end of that spectrum? Were you the, you know, always behaved, always on time, all that stuff? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> you can ask you ask my mom. I was always good. Um, but, you know, I, I'd always go a little past curfew when mom said to come home. But, uh, yeah, I, w- I was a well-behaved one because I saw how, how bad my dad would get. They would get a lot of yelling going on. I'm like, I don't want that when I grow up. My dad was a scary guy when I was growing up. So we had to, I had to figure things out quickly. All right, Todd, I, I want to ask you about saving a guy's life. Back in 2012, you performed the Heimlich and, and saved the guy's life, or at least I read about that. Can you walk me through, like, what happened, and uh, do you still talk to this guy, and, and how did that all unfold? Yeah, real crazy, crazy story. Uh, Ryan Ludwig, um, who I played with with Cincinnati for two years, awesome guy, you know, one of my mentors. Um, you know, he said, Fraser, I'm going to take you out. Let's go to Capitol Grill in Pittsburgh. I said, all right. You know, I'm not going to say no to a veteran, man, because see, this, it might be the only time you get to go out to dinner with one of these guys. So I went out. We had a good dinner. Next thing you know, we're talking. We're at the bar sitting there and uh, having our steak or whatever it is. And I look over. I said, oh, my God, Luddy, I think this guy's choking. There's two waitresses. Basically, this guy was a little heavier guy. There was two waitresses pretty much wrapped both their arms around him and couldn't get it around him. So I, I basically said, Luddy, I'm going. He said, go, go, go. So I ran over there. I, I told Lazy out of the way, and I gave him two Heimlich maneuvers. And, you know, you think about Bugs Bunny, how the food shoots out of the person's mouth. It really didn't do that. It, um, he, you know, he went he put his hands down, got it out. And it was one of the biggest pieces of steak I've ever seen. I was like, oh, man, you know, you know, he sat down. He was crying. His, his wife was crying. And, um, you know, that was basically it. And, um, you know, I felt bad for him. But, you know, I saved the person's life. I I was happy for the waitresses, too. I mean, they had a thing to do with it, but um, something I would never want to relive. And that was it. After that day, I never heard from the guy after that, still to this day. So uh, I, I, I got to know, you were instrumental in starting the whole thumbs down thing with the New York Yankees a few years ago. Could you kind of tell us a little bit about that? And then also, I know it's only been a few weeks of spring training, but do you guys have anything in the works for the Rangers for this season for us to do in the stands? Yeah, um, right now we don't. I've heard a couple of guys talking about it. Um, but, you know, usually it comes from somebody doing, like, that's what happens, somebody doing something or 
something happens on social media or a fan did something, that's what occurred. Basically, we're playing the Tampa Bay Rays at in uh, in Queens because of the big storm in Florida that hit that year. We couldn't find a neutral site, and they, they decided to play in New York, which is kind of silly because we didn't need to drive or fly anywhere or fly anywhere. Um, I hit a three-run home run. I hit home plate, and then they zoom into this guy putting his thumb down, and lo and behold, he was a Mets fan, just pissed off that the Yankees were playing <laughs> in his home city, you know, with overalls on. It was it was great, and I think Aaron Judge said, praise, you got to do that next time you get a hit. Well, what do you know? First at bat, the next day, I get an RBI single, and um, I did it, and I just stuck like wild. It just went like wildfire after that. I, Todd, I know you're a big sports fan, and you know the the little time we've spent, uh, you know, most of it's been talking about you know other sports. What what are the sports you enjoy watching the most, and 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 who are some of your teams? Yeah, I mean, I'm. It's funny that you say that. I have some off the wall teams. Like I'm a big, I'm basketball and football. I love. I played both those sports growing up. Uh, my favorite college basketball team is Syracuse. I'm a big Jim Beheim fan. I know a lot of uh, on-air personnel, you know, like yourself, a lot of guys go to Syracuse. I guess it's one of the top schools to go to, I guess, for radio or broadcast or something like that. So I get a lot of people in that in that site to um, say, oh, that's awesome. I'm a big Jim Bayon fan. Uh, I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneer football fan. I was a big Mike Allstott, the A-train guy growing up. And, um, you know, when they won the Super Bowl against the Raiders, I think in 2002 or three it was, uh, it was unbelievable. Um you know, I'm I'm just a baseball fan in general. Um, other than that, I mean, NBA, I got to stick with my Nets because they're close to home. And, you know, Kyrie and KD coming back next year, uh, watch out. It's going to be crazy. All right, <laughs> you can go – you can jump in the time machine and go back and watch any sporting event. Maybe it's, a, you know, an old Bucks game, something that has to do with your favorite team, or maybe it's it's getting to watch a player that you never got to watch – what would you? What would Todd Frazier, the sports fan, want to go back in time to to watch or see? Oh, that's a. You know what? That's probably one of my favorite questions that somebody's ever asked me. Um, oh man, there's there's a bunch. Um, you know, the first one that comes to my mind is probably, and I'll give you a reason, and you you should like this reason, but it's the Bills playing the Giants in the Super Bowl when. Um, when uh, what's his name missed the field goal wide right or wide left? Remember that what year that was? It was the well nine. So Scott Norwood. Yes, Scott Norwood missed the field goal to win it. Um, and the, the sole reason why I'd want to go to that game, it was a good game, was because my grandpa actually went to that game, and I could have gone with him. He passed away a while ago, but I thought that'd be pretty cool to hang out with my grandpa and go to the Super Bowl. That'd be cool. That'd be that's a great reason right there. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I mean, but. There's other, there's other games, but that was the first thing that popped in my head. Todd, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for taking time with us on a Saturday evening to, to chat. We, uh, we hope you and your family are staying safe in that part of the, the country, and uh, we look forward to hopefully getting to watch you do what you do on the field here sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah, I'm about on my way to get more uh, pizza dough because we might be on lockdown here pretty soon. I'm going to get about two months' worth. You bet, yeah, you better. I, I expect to see some pictures on Instagram. All right, guys. Nice talking to you. There you go. That's Todd Frazier. I I tweeted this yesterday, Sterling, and and I think fans can, just from that 20-minute conversation, uh, see why I tweeted this. This guy's going to be a fan favorite. Oh, yeah. You know, I I hope he stays healthy because you got to be on the field. But from a personality standpoint, 
he's really unique and it's not just what comes out in this interview, but his teammates love him too. And I think while you can't put a statistic on that, I think that having guys like that, veterans who have been there and done that like he has, who are willing to take on that role and embrace that role, again, there's not a statistic for it, but there's no doubt in my mind that it makes an impact. Yeah, and and I mean, even just look at what we were just talking about there with the Yankees. I mean, he was there for one season, and he was one of the big leaders in the clubhouse. He was so influential in helping those young guys that we talk about now, like Aaron Judge and and Gary Sanchez. Having a guy like that in this locker room, in this clubhouse, is going to help out a lot, not to mention the fact that He's somebody I know we were we really wanted Anthony Rendon. Like we were like, oh, well, he's got to be the guy. He's got to be the guy for third base. Being able to bring in somebody like this who has a lot of experience in their career, has been in multiple organizations, some winning, some not. He can take uh, he can take a lot from what he is uh, what he has been through on his uh, on his own, and he can impart that wisdom on these younger guys. So I'm excited to see what he's going to bring. And I mean, wherever he goes, people seem to love him. He went he went from the New York Yankees to the New York Mets, and people still loved him all all across New York. And that should tell you what that means because people those those two friends. Franchises don't necessarily like each other, but they're able to agree on him. So I'm excited to see what the Todd father can do once we finally get to see him in action in a Rangers uniform. All right, we were a little late getting to Todd, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll have a, a little short reset, and then we'll we'll come back, and uh, Sterling's going to talk about how to make an abbreviated season work, plus Sean Daniels commenting on the updated state of things. Uh, we'd also love to hear from you at 877-881-1053. Rangers Hot Stove continues after this on your home of the Rangers, 105.3 The Fan.
Welcome back to Rangers Hot Stove on 105.3 The Fan. Hey, you can still join the Junior Rangers while we wait for games to start. If you're 13 and younger, sign up to be the first Junior Rangers members, a part of the new Globe Life Field era. Being a member has perks, exclusive autograph sessions, playing catch on the field, and even a party with the mascot. Sign up now at texasrangers.com slash jrrangers. All right, coming up in about seven minutes, Sterling is going to present... Uh, his thoughts on how an abbreviated season could work, kind of carrying over the conversation we had last week, uh, along with an article on The Athletic, and in conjunction with some stuff John Daniels shared with Sean and RJ yesterday. Of course, we'd love to hear from you at 877-881-1053. Just a few, I guess, news and notes items to bring up. First of all, a lot of people are asking what things the Rangers are doing as an organization From an outreach standpoint, we could be here for an hour to detail those, but just, I guess, some new items. Uh, Chris Woodward and his wife, Erin, recorded a message to first responders and healthcare workers. Uh, And then Chris, Erin, as well as John Daniels and John's wife, Robin, are providing meals for Medical City of Arlington and Dallas healthcare workers. That's just, uh, you know, one of the, the things that the Rangers are doing. Uh, whether it's organizationally or players doing stuff on their own. Uh, As far as this show is concerned, uh, in two weeks, Mm -hmm. we're going to have something really cool taking place on 105.3 The Fan, and my understanding is it will happen every week uh, until we get games going, and and it's kind of falling in line with the throwbacks you're seeing on TV. And uh, some of our conversations, Sterling, will... Uh, be geared towards uh, maybe what will succeed our show, stuff that will happen after Rangers Hot Stove will lead into uh, some Rangers memories. That's going to be a lot of fun, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. I think that will start two weeks from now. Okay. Uh, and then as far as updates, the, what's the most common question we've been getting asked? What's the status of Willie Calhoun? Calhoun? Well, earlier this week on 105 Through the Fan with Sean Sharif and RJ Choppy, John Daniels answered that question. I mean, pretty amazing just in general. Got hit in the face, 95-mile-an-hour fastball. And, like, uh, other than a, a, a clean break of his jaw, didn't mess up his teeth, thankfully nothing with his mouth, his eyes, um, you know, totally unaffected, no no neck injury. Um, and then, you know, the, big, the the one that we didn't know until he kind of could get back up and going was the was the concussion. And so he's he's cleared uh, his tests for that. Um, he's uh, He's been able to you kind of get up and do some cardio and start working out and, and didn't have any onset of, of symptoms with increased activity. So, you know, he, he's going to have uh, plenty of time, even if, it, even on the earlier side of things, like he's only been down now a couple of weeks. So he'll be able to get his conditioning back and, and uh, he should be good to go whenever the game is. So that's good news on Willie Calhoun's front from a baseball standpoint updates yesterday, major league baseball and MLB, uh, MLBPA finalized a deal that addresses things like salary and service time, among others. It, it's maybe not answering some of the questions that are most pressing to fans mm-hmm. from a start time or season length standpoint. Uh, it, it's it's online. You can find all the different details that uh, have come into play for the player. Service time was a big thing, and it seems like they're going to be given the opportunity to accrue service time uh, as they otherwise would if the season was just played out normally. One of the things that was addressed 
that John Daniels was asked about was the draft and the possibility of having just a five-round draft uh, whenever the draft does take place. This was J.D.'s reaction to that with Sean and R.J. I am personally, yeah. I, I know that they were talking about that you know, as a future option even before this. And mm-hmm. I think what you're going to see, I think you're going to see, you know, we're going to adopt a, a handful of things to once we get going uh, for the 2020 season. And, you know, a lot of them won't. That was actually J.D. He's, he's getting ready to talk about expanding the playoffs. We'll get to that in a second. Basically, J.D. said that uh, he was in favor of the draft being shortened to five rounds if you know they went that route. A lot of the draft is to fill rosters, and yep. there's just not as great of a need for that with everything that's taken place and the way uh, events have transpired. Uh, I don't know that that's something that Major League Baseball is going to move to permanently, uh, but for the time being, a shortened draft definitely seems likely. And you also got to consider that the guys they're scouting, while they've been scouting these guys for quite some time, they're not playing out these seasons, particularly at the college levels, the way uh, they otherwise would. All right. There are a lot of other things that are in play here. Uh, John Daniels talking about the expanded playoffs, uh, the the amount of games needed for a season to be legitimate. We'll discuss all of that and more coming up next here on Rangers Hot Stove on your home of the Rangers, 105 through the fan.
Welcome back to Rangers Hot Stove on 105.3 The Fan. Danny Hernandez behind the glass. Jared Sandler with you, joined by the great Sterling Daniels. Uh, just a, a few things. If you're looking for updates on baseball, you can go to texasrangers.com slash updates. A lot of questions out there. We don't have all the answers, but when answers are developed, you can find them at texasrangers.com slash updates. Baseball will return. Until then, the Rangers want to remind you it's always good to be safe at home. And if you're just looking for coronavirus updates, not specific to baseball, not specific to sports, radio.com slash stay connected or by using the hashtag stay connected on Twitter, you can find out information. Listen, the reality is this. Uh, there's a reason why our industry was considered an essential industry. It's because we've got the ability to speak to so many and while a lot of our time is spent talking sports, uh, we take that responsibility seriously that we can be a distraction for you as you maybe go through some tough times, maybe put a smile on your face. But also, uh, when there is news and updates available, we're going to bring you that. Uh, but you can also go online, radio.com slash stay connected. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Sterling has been doing some work. He is our chief scheduling officer at 105.3 The Fan. I am. And how to make a season work. And earlier this week, John Daniels joined Sean and RJ, and RJ asked him how many games need to be played for the season to be legit. Everybody's playing by the same rules. Like I view it as almost anything that we do as a, a legit deal. I mean, not, you know, I'm not talking about something crazy like, a, you know, 10 games or something, you know, like, you know, ridiculous like that. But I, I think any sort of meaningful number of games, um, you know, you, you play 60, 80, a hundred games. I, I mean, everyone's playing by the same rules. Everybody's equally affected. And so I'm, you know, is it going to be different? Absolutely. Is, is it, you know, historically, are you going to look back and view it a little differently? Sure. I think we have to given what we're all going through together as a society right now, but you know, I, I I'm not really caught up in that piece of it personally. So that's going to be the interesting part of it. How many games going forward? One, one you've got to figure out when exactly these teams are going to be able to get back together, start getting ready for the next season, for the new season. We know we were going through spring training, but now having a shortened spring training or another full in spring training, adding roster spots. So there's a lot of questions on how they can figure this out. I, I, thought, I came across an article in The Athletic from uh, Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark they were talking about one of the things, and it seems like this is another uh, aspect that the players are kind of pushing for, having more double headers. Not only having more double headers, but kind of dipping into the minor league rules. So in minor league baseball, for those of you who aren't familiar, when they play double headers, instead of playing two nine-inning games back-to-back, they play two seven-inning games back-to-back. So this might be a way for you to still be able to get the games in but you're not going to put as much of a strain on the players, uh, or even uh, they throw out the idea of doing one uh, one game be a nine inning game, the other game be a seven inning game. I'm not necessarily in favor of that. I'd be more in favor of having seven and seven instead of nine and seven, just for the continuity of everything. But I thought that was a very interesting idea, and I know you do a lot of work with minor league uh, baseball. I-, I was wondering, from your aspect, you've seen it up close. Do you think that that's something that could work in the MLB? Well, it can definitely work, and the reality is with all these different options and decisions that are going to be made and need to be made, you 
I, anyone can have a preference and 